Welcome to the Her Inspired Journey podcast, a show all for women about living your best life and fulfilling your passions from the backcountry to the table. No matter where you are, what hurdles you faced, or where you want to go next, we're right here on this journey with you. It's time to take charge, pave your way, and create success. Well, welcome back to another episode of the Her Inspired Journey podcast. And today I sit down and chat with my dear, she's just such a beautiful soul. I can't say enough good things about Constance Bradley. She is just somebody I am positive came into my life to give me all the feels and to to just pour positivity out into me so that I can continue to pour it into others. You can also find the episode I did with her previously, episode 46, The Hunt of a Lifetime, where her and I catch up on her story of her once-in-a-lifetime Oregon bighorn sheep tag here in Uh, And it was just such a fun experience to be able to relive that with her. But in today's episode, we switch gears from talking about hunting to talking about family and navigating right now where we are amid all of this coronavirus and this pandemic. You know, life has been so greatly disrupted. We just get to uh, put our heads together and really just hear her talk about how to support your family and how to navigate, you know, being your child's educator now. And even if you aren't a parent, I think that there will be lots of good nuggets of wisdom in this episode because we also talk about building your confidence and how to be resilient and how to overcome this mindset uh, or fear of failure and what to do when you bump up against that wall, how you can pivot and change course so that you stay on track. I really hope that you enjoy this episode as I always do enjoy my time talking with Constance. Well, I am so excited to be here with y'all today, but before we hop right into this episode with Constance, I want to take the opportunity to talk about something that is extremely important, and that is May is National Lyme Disease Awareness Month. And although we should be thinking about these nasty bugs and how to prevent their interaction with us in the outdoors, all of the time. It's also a really good chance for me to talk to you about how I protect myself, my family, and also my pets from these nasty critters. So Sawyer products actually make this amazing product called Permethrin. It is a spray that can be used on your gear, shoes, boots, clothes, and is going to have no harsh effects on any of that. It'll actually last for six weeks or up to six washes and hold up against rain here in the Pacific Northwest. That is a major bonus for us. So even spraying down your shoes and socks gives you 70 times more protection against these nasty ticks. So it is a must if you are going in the outdoors. The fact that I could spray down my pets, it is 100% safe and will also protect them is really, really a vital thing for me in the outdoors and making sure we're having fun, but also staying safe. Head over right now to Sawyer.com to see exactly what they have and how they can serve you in protecting yourself and your family from ticks and Lyme disease. To feel like when things get hard, it's so much easier to doubt what you're doing in every aspect, in my opinion, because I know for myself, if things aren't, you know, it's it's one thing to live life and to have a, a decent perspective on things, a, a grasp on reality, if you will, when things are like pretty much all in a line. But when things get so disrupted, 
it makes the opportunities to feel like a failure in other areas so much more yes. prominent. So, yeah, totally uh, agree. Well, welcome back to the show. I'm excited to have you, Constance. You've uh, lots of things have changed since the last time you were on here talking about your uh, sheep hunt, which was awesome. Um, yes. But yeah, it's good to have you back on, and I'd just love to catch up with you and just you know figure out how things are going for you. And you have always been a force to be reckoned with when it comes to just kind of leveling out the playing field of mindset and perspective. Uh, I always love what you bring to the table and the positive message that you put out on your Instagram channel specifically uh, at Living Field Notes. But tell us what's new with you since we talked last. What's new with me is I have been embarking on this journey of encouraging women around me, um, specifically um, moms in the homeschool world. I have um, a pretty big network of moms that are trying to navigate um, homeschooling, plus be in the outdoors, um, plus working full time. So helping um, moms be able to navigate um, those three areas of their life. So I've been um, working on building um, content. And so thank you for the encouragement on the post, um, just creating um, a space where people can um, have some resources and learn and ask questions and be encouraged to um, be able to navigate all that we can run after. Um, sometimes I feel like we're really quick to limit ourselves. So I've been working on helping coach people to um, know that your capacity capacity can be as vast as you allow it to be. Um, so I've been working on that. And then, of course, my real estate career has been um, a whole new learning curve since um, we are in the pandemic. So been fully inundated um, in the middle of our busy season for um, learning a new way to work in my career life. So. Lots of pivoting going on for sure. I want to go back and touch on this homeschool thing because if there's anything that I think is very universal right now, it's that so many parents are, you know, I hate to say overwhelmed, but really feeling the uh, repercussions of trying to like go through the daily grind and also be a full-time teacher to our kids, you know, like that's something that we always have on our plate. You know, we're trying to, to instill in them good qualities and morals and, and teach them as we go. But being the one to be the educator for them is really, really difficult. And you've homeschooled well before this whole pandemic thing was, you know, going on. So give us some insight to uh, some of the adjustability that you can find people uh, or, or recommendations that you can give to people to just kind of navigate that I don't want to say flawlessly but in a way that helps everybody stay a little bit more sane absolutely um so it is nice that I have embarked on that journey prior to being forced into it um the way that we do our homeschool though is that we are um, registered with a public charter school so I still have standards and meetings and um classes that my kids take even though we do it um, from a home-based system. So um, in some capacity, we are still constrained by the public school system. So I feel that in a different way than what a lot of parents are being thrown into right now. Mm -hmm. But I would say my biggest encouragement to people is 
everybody starts somewhere on this journey. And if you would have told me three years ago that I would have been a homeschool mom, I would have laughed in your face. That definitely never crossed my mind of being part of my story. Um, So when we were in that transition of moving from a public school setting into a homeschool setting, um, it was very hard. And the pressure that um, I put on myself, um, I don't know, there's a lot of moms that I've talked to that feel like I am in control of my child's education. I don't feel equipped, Mm -hmm. polished enough, or even that I have the knowledge to know how to help them learn where they're at. Sometimes, especially um, with Common Core and the generation that we are as parents, we didn't learn especially math in that capacity. So feeling like we are the ones that are now responsible and helping them through that process can be extremely overwhelming. So I had that pressure of feeling overwhelmed for being in control of their education prior to um, all of this. So I can relate in that way of um, not feeling equipped enough to do it. But what I have learned over time of um, I'm on my third year of homeschooling and um, I have this amazing network that um, I'm in that has been an encouragement to me. And what I have learned that I would love for all moms to know out there right now or dads, too, if you're the one that's in the role of helping educate your kids, is that, number one, it doesn't have to be done right now. It doesn't have to be done perfect. And the three months that um, you're in control of your child's education for this short time right now is not going to be a make or break to their uh, end game of their education. Even um, seniors that are transferring into college, I've talked to several parents um, in that realm, and even their classes that they are, you know, were in the midst of, a lot of them were moving, I've talked to a couple of um, educators, they were moving into the testing preparation portion of their education to get ready for the coming year. So um, what they needed to learn for this school year, for the most part, has been covered. There are a few review things and things like that, but um, feel confident that your child has what they need and that you also have what they need because what they really need to be able to learn well is that their parents are supportive, that they listen really well, and that they give them the space to learn. Because just like us as adults, like we have to make that choice to learn or to not learn. There's Mm -hmm. a vast amount of information everywhere for us to consume, and it's a choice of whether we want to or not. And so it's the same for a kid. So if you give them a platform at which they can choose to learn, they will. But a lot of times we feel like we need to provide that or make that. And really it's um, up to the child to be able to absorb that. So encouraging them and being supportive to them to want to learn is the best thing that um, a parent can do for their kids as far as in a homeschool environment. And you make a really good point. It doesn't have to be done now and it doesn't have to be flawlessly. Those are some you know things to always keep in mind with any scenario or anything that we take on, kids included or not. But, you know, I think it is hard because we feel, you know, this a certain amount of pressure to be able to perform. And it's, you know, I think there's a lot of expectation that comes with that as well. You know, you mentioned the Common Core and how things have changed in math. And it's crazy because even if you look at like a fifth grade level, you're like, I should know how to teach you. But it's changed so much that it makes it feel a little bit overwhelming to be able to do that. But 
in order for us, I think, as parents to provide an environment for our kids to be able to do it without feeling the added pressure that we're feeling, I think it's really uh, a vital component just to say it doesn't have to be done flawlessly and it doesn't all have to get done now. And I feel like more and more teachers and educators uh, from the school system specifically are starting to talk about that. You know, like if your kid's getting overwhelmed, if you're getting overwhelmed, like it's okay that this doesn't all get done at one time. So that's a really good message to put out there. And I'm glad that you repeated that as well. Uh, the resources, you know, too, that are coming out, I think can be, it's like sometimes too much of a good thing is a bad thing. Um, yes. So I think we all just need to be in charge of, of picking and choosing a little bit on, on where to go. So uh, you make yes. some valid points with that. But, you know, it's nice to have people like you, Constance, who will kind of filter through a little bit of that and you know what's been tried and true and you can kind of share that with other you know parents moms and dads and and those who are you know helping out to step into roles because there are so many uh parents right now that are still trying to work you know eight to ten hours a day from home and that itself can cause so much disruption can you speak to that a little bit about how to uh kind of navigate the flow of your normal when it's been you know so uh disrupted Absolutely. Um, I think one of the best things that you can do um, as far as being able to create a rhythm where you can be successful in your career and also um, as a new homeschooled mom is knowing your kids. Like I know my kids' capacity to um, be independent in their workload is about an hour and that is like max capacity for them and they're going to need me. Um, so I have kind of broke my day up in chunks of an hour at a time. And in between those hours, I have alarms set in my phone because I can't keep up with everything just like everybody else. Mm -hmm. So it's really nice to utilize the technology that we do have access to. And so I have alarms set in my phone for every hour to navigate them to a new task that they can independently work on. And that also navigates me for work as well. So as I get them set into a space, then I can um, wholeheartedly dive into my work and do that well. And then we take a break and move them into the next task. Um, I also just speaking of the expectations as far as from the public school teacher to your home. And I think that's awesome that they're giving more grace and some encouragement to um, have it not all done right now. I think being able to break up your day and know that what you can get done in a time frame, so for your work as well as your kids, and then organizing it accordingly. I talked to a parent the other day, their child was, their workload was so heavy that they had started at 7.30 in the morning. They had a, techno a technology difficulty in the middle of the day that kind of broke the um, connection for their internet up for a couple of hours. But then that led them into doing school all the way till 930 at night. Mm -hmm. Well, that's not sustainable. And that's also, that's not healthy for that child. The child, I get exhausted working crazy hours, mm -hmm. let alone a child who is trying to learn and absorb. At some point, their brain's going to shut off and they're no longer learning. So um, I think breaking that up, especially if they have a really heavy load, make sure that they get outside, enjoy some sort of vitamin D and reset, and then, you know, coming back at the task. So breaking up your day would probably be my number one suggestion. 
number two, knowing your kids' um, entertainment and what works really well. Um, as a matter of fact, for me to be able to do this with you, I have my kids eating um, chocolate-covered pretzels and watching their favorite Lion Guard show because I know those are two things that they adore and that they will be quiet for a minute. So knowing what they love, what they're into, and then saving those things. Don't allow them to have them any other time, except for when you really need them. Um, I do that with electronics in general. Like my kids have iPads that they can play. They don't get them until I am maybe at a because I'm a real estate agent, I'm still out um, looking at properties. So they don't get those things until I'm out working. So um, using tools in your tool belt to um, manage your space and your time that your kids um, are elated to do that also breaks up and gives you the freedom to do the things that you need to take care of. Something that's really common, I hear a lot, and I also feel sometimes as well as somebody who runs a business from home like you do, is that it's easy to feel guilt. I think that, you know, if you want to call it mom guilt or whatever, it's easy to kind of let that compile, you know, in the scenarios when you use that. Do you have uh, any advice or do you can you speak into how to kind of let that go and be a little bit more realistic with our own expectations and in those moments where you're giving your kids a tablet or you're giving them, you know, something to do to almost like pacify their time? How do you remove yourself from feeling guilty in those moments? Definitely. When I first started working, so I went from being a stay-at-home mom for almost seven years into working for full-time. And so whenever I made that transition into working, I suffered from a lot of mom guilt. As a matter of fact, like I was most certainly depressed for a good season. Um, and one of the um, best things that the tools that I've picked up is to um, ask the question, is this real or is this emotional? So am I really depriving my kids or am I just having an emotional check? So if I really am, if I know that I've had a day where I have either been on a phone call or out, you know, for 12 hours, then I'm depriving my kids. And that's a reality check that I need to say, okay, self, you know, let's reevaluate and fix it. If I know that I'm doing a normal day and I have dedicated you know, time at lunch with them, or I've dedicated time outside. And I know that um, I may be personally overwhelmed with my workload, but I'm not necessarily depriving my kids. So a lot of times where I have been able to objectively kind of look at myself and say, okay, my kids are not actually missing out. I'm just feeling overwhelmed because my workload is heavy. Um, so I think stepping away from that for a second when you are feeling guilty and just doing a self-check. If there really is something there that you could do better, then be willing and able to say to your kids, apologize for, you know, depriving them of time or what it's for me. I'm just using an example of time because that's typically um, where I struggle with it. Um, you know, Hey, I'm sorry. I didn't dedicate that time to you today. I'd really like to make that up. Can we, um, can we go for a walk together and kind of regroup on how your day was or be willing to um, make that time up with your kids and do a self check so that you do have a healthy balance. Cause there are some times with work that um, I definitely don't do it well with my kids, but being willing to be objective enough to recognize it and fix it. And then having confidence in yourself too. Um, one thing that's really helped me is I know that 
me being a hard worker and willing to demonstrate that I have three boys. So and you too, your boy, mom. So being able to demonstrate that, um, work is important and Mm -hmm. we have to take care of our jobs. And if we don't take care of our jobs, they don't have the things that they enjoy having. And so, um, demonstrating that, especially for a boy, because I want them to be great men and great husbands at some point, I want them to know that their work ethic is highly valued and that that is something that they have to do. So sometimes, um, twisting the perspective and looking on it, why are you doing what you're doing? And if you are being a good example and leading in your child in the way that they should go, then that's also a way to kind of alleviate that mom guilt that you're actually doing something good instead of being, you know, beating yourself up over not being available. And it's so important to check in with them. And this is something I've, you know, since the whole COVID-19 thing, I've really tried to do a better job of is limiting any of the distractions, you know, setting aside time where you're just there to sit down with nothing else going on mentally or, you know, from a, a physical standpoint, nothing else going on except for sitting next to your kid and saying, tell me about you. How is your day? How are you feeling? You know, I've learned so much more recently and just simply asking that question and then listening to, to everything, you know, that comes out of their mouth. And, you know, in the times I'm always surprised because in the times where I felt more guilty or, you know, more wrapped up in my work and not as available to them. And I ask them that they're doing pretty dang good. You know, Mm -hmm. they're not feeling the feelings like you mentioned that I am. It's not a, it's not a reality, you know, it's my feelings. So uh, I think that's a really good point. You know, it does speak into, you know, uh, again, kind of what we started with is this feeling of, uh, you know, self-love basically, or feeling self-hate and and how that translates from our confidence. So, you know, I'd love to kind of roll into talking about that because I think uh, being critical of ourselves, it can be a very good tool for development, you know, personal development and, you know, progressing into the future that we want to have for ourselves and to create for ourselves. But I know that it can also be a gigantic hurdle in achieving the things that we want because maybe we self-sabotage when we're not feeling like we're good enough for something. So let's kind of just roll into the conversation, Constance, about how you can be very uh, open and honest with yourself about the reality of how you are and how you feel about yourself through self-love. Absolutely. Um, I have on my desk um, this great big like sticky note, one of those extra large ones that says who's well done am I working for? So I think a lot of times um, that's just a quote that is a good reminder for me that sometimes whenever I um, do want to self-sabotage and believe that I'm not worthy of, you know, the work that I'm doing or the accolades that I'm chasing or whatever it is, sometimes Um, when I get into that mode, I remember, I think that it's so important to know your, why you're doing what you're doing, because if you know why you're doing what you're doing, self-love, and to be honest with you, I really hate the whole, um, self-care thing. Um, I think it's really hyped up and turned us into really selfish people. And when we're really selfish people, it's really easy to fall off that cliff, right? Because then you have all of these, um, self expectations, But then whenever you build all that up and then days come that aren't hitting those expectations, you fall harder. 
So I think if we get out of the mindset of um, this big self-care thing and we start looking at it as I'm putting on my oxygen mask first, and then as soon as I can breathe, I can pass along oxygen to those around me. If we look at it in that capacity um, and avoiding self-sabotage, I know if I'm giving myself oxygen, if I'm taking care of the things that I need to take care of, if I'm working really hard for my why, then I'm able to pass that oxygen along to other people. And that prevents me a lot of times from going down that path. Um, And I have it on my desk in a great big sticky note so that it is consistently in front of my face. Um, I don't know about you, but it's a really easy for me to get knocked off track. And if I don't have the accountability of something like that sticky note in front of me or the people around me that um, I trust to be really honest with me, um, I do get off track and I do start self-sabotaging and not not loving myself. But then I have to remember that if I'm not taking care of me, then I can't take care of those around me either. So what's been the most beneficial or the most helpful for you in figuring out how to balance that? Because... You know, I think the the scale can have a tendency to tip one way or the other, but it seems like you have a pretty good, you know, you have that little mantra so you can come back to that and you can find that balance and you can remember your why. But what have been the pivotal pieces along the way where you've kind of bumped up against the wall and had to get back? Is it just grounding into that why and figuring out what you're doing, what you're, why you're doing what you're doing? Um, I definitely think that, um, That has been a key factor for sure. Um, I think also fully understanding your motivators. So um, there's all kinds of, you know, personality tests and things you can take to help understand what your motivators are. And if you're not doing self-discovery to really understand why you're doing what you're doing or why you're at this point in your life that you're at, I think you're missing a key component for sure. Um, And looking back in places. And that's the other thing. Like, it's really easy to be like, Oh yeah, I'm doing good. Like whenever you're up, but when you're down, it's hard to look into those places. Well, why am I down? Um, so just kind of looking back at some places where I have been up against the wall and I've had to choose to do things different. Um, I think having the confidence to know that you can do something different is really important. Um, and I am huge words are extremely important to me. So I have lots of quotes and things that I have written all over the place. But um, one of the things that um, has helped me is learning my trigger points. And once I know what my trigger points are that kind of run me towards the wall instead of pressing forward, um, knowing those trigger points and then recognizing them when they're happening. And sometimes you pass that trigger, right? Like the trigger comes and you realize like, oh, that's going downhill and you just keep going downhill. Sometimes that happens, but having the confidence to look past that and turn back around and know that you can change. I think that's what is super important. Um, Failure or what we perceive to be a failure is the only way to succeed. We have to be willing to fail and know that we're going to mess up over and over and over again to be able to actually succeed. And that could be in your personal life, in your relationships and work, whatever um, that applies across the board is like, as a wife, like I fail or as a mom or 
as a real estate agent or as a friend, like have all these relationships that I most certainly fail in. But what makes the difference is if I'm willing to recognize the failure as a failure, make the necessary changes and keep moving forward and the confidence to know that you can. So, so what say I totally screw up with my husband. Worst case scenario, right? He's going to leave me. Well, okay. Then he leaves me. Then what? Like always asking the then what question, because sometimes I think we self-sabotage or we get stuck on the wall because we get lost in the mind trial of what is happening. So if you get in the habit of asking yourself, then what? So typically you end up with like, oh, it's actually not that bad. And once you get to that final, okay, it's actually not that bad. I could proceed forward with this. It gives you the confidence to be able to fail and then keep going. So I think asking the then what question and then that I think the why and knowing your triggers is been the thing that has helped me turn around when I do hit the wall. And those triggers are really important to recognize. And I think a lot of people are scared to do that because then you're you're basically acknowledging the things that make you feel shame, right? Or guilt exactly. or uh, inferior or like a failure. And we have, I think we just live in a society that there's either you succeed or you fail. There's no in between. Yes, you can learn from your failures, but it's almost marked as like this definitive moment where you've fallen off and now it's this brand new restart. But I think what we need to keep in mind is that failure is not the end of the road. You know, it's like it's you're just merging onto a different highway at that point. You've got to figure out you've got to change direction. You have to acknowledge where you've been. And, you know, it is a really important thing to identify. Is it just because you're saying yes to too much? You know, are you overloading your own plate? Are you, you know, inviting things into your life that are going to be a distraction or that are going to lead you off course? Like you do have to identify what is backing you up against that wall. And most of the time, I think, Constance, what happens is we fail or we quote unquote, we fail in these in the same areas all the time, you know? So we're facing the same problem the same way and expecting a different result. But we have to, like you said, identify what the trigger is and then what if, how, how do I figure this out? What's next? What's the next plan of action? And I think in doing so, don't we, I mean, ultimately end up building our confidence? Yes, absolutely. So you always have such great points. I just adore you. And it's funny because I texted you a couple weeks ago and I was like, I need Constance in my life. (laughs) (laughs) Same, same. Yes. So glad that you're rolling out all the positivity and, um, you know, just, I think you're one of those people that was, that was born to just be a leader and to shine a light for everybody else. And I appreciate that so much. Um, what would be your, you know, for somebody who's struggling right now with everything that's going on and naturally it's easy to struggle right now, but how do you build that mind of being resilient, you know, of being a problem solver, of not looking at these, you know, roadblocks and going, okay, I failed again, but how do you learn to just turn on your blinker and change lanes um, while you're in the heat of the moment, you know, while we're going through all of these things, you know, all of the things that have life so disrupted? Yes, and um, that kind of ties into another thing that I was um, I want to share regarding what you said about making next step plans. Um, so back in the end of last year, I had um, 
I had put on a class and wrote this um, guide on what I call groundwork. And so um, in groundwork, you have to ask really hard questions to be able to plan. Um, I know you do this too. You um, kind of plan out your year at the end of the year and kind of do a recap. Um, I think in general, to build resilience, you have to be willing to look at where you're at, where you've been, but you also have to say, okay, where do I want to go? So, and that's part of the knowing your why. So if you know, let's say, um, I'll just share personal dreams because that's easy to relate to. So I know for a fact that I want to own my own business. So if I'm owning my own business, I have steps that it's going to take to get there, right? So if I take step number one and that is not leading to step number two, then I have to look and be objective to say, okay, why is that not getting me to step number two? Why am I repeating the same failure Mm-hmm. over and over again. And then being willing to learn, being willing to embrace community. I think a lot of times um, we get stuck doing the same thing over and over again because we're not willing to embrace community because our our minds are only able to carry us so far, right? I mean, that's why we read books or we watch shows or we listen to podcasts. That's why we embrace all these other things because we need each other. We need community. We need to be able to gather together and glean from one another. Mm -hmm. So if we keep doing the same thing over and over again, and we're looking to say, okay, I am self-sabotaging in the busy category, right? So I continue to add all these things to my plate that are keeping me from getting to step two of me owning my business. Then I have to objectively look at my close circle that knows what is on my schedule and say, okay, I know that I am too busy to get to step two. Can you help me? What do you see from an outsider's standpoint in my life that I could do better? And then this is where the hard part is. Number one, it's hard to ask the question. But number two, it's the hard part is being willing to receive that criticism and make the steps to change. And I think once you get to that point, you can get over that hurdle um, and being resilient. Because once you do that one time, And that's all it takes. Once you do it one time and you know that that will be the ticket that helps you get to step number two to quit getting in that um, cycle of doing the same thing over and over again, it makes it so much easier to do it the next time. Just like you said, you're building confidence as you go through each one of those failures. Um, But typically, there's some sort of baseline that we kind of keep going back to. And once you figure out what that is and for me, it's only been, I've only been able to discover that through community because I need some objective outsider standpoint to mm-hmm. look at me and say, hey, help me out. And having people in your crew that's willing to do that. Um, and I think that's the thing that's built the most resilience in me is I'm willing to ask and then apply. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's, it's you can't ask and not hear. You know, you have yes. to be willing to make those changes. And I know sometimes it's easy to... You know, I, I think in all honesty, I think what happens when we, you know, try to develop personally and we try to, you know, better our lives or our mindsets or our fitness or any area of our, of our, you know, day to day, I think what happens is we get comfortable with that failure to some degree. Yeah, we might be upset that we don't hit the benchmark, 
but it's easier sometimes to fail at something than it is to make the really hard choices to be successful. Absolutely. Speaking of the fitness world, um, I have an example right now. Um, So I suffer from migraines for a long time, but it took me a long time to figure out what it was that was actually causing the migraines. Um, and for me, it is directly related to sugar. I get this weird rash and I have a migraine every single time. And it took me years to figure this out. Um, but it's also sugar is like the one thing that anytime I'm on some sort of meal plan or trying to reach a goal, like that's the hardest thing for me because I love sugar. And so, um, knowing that, like, I know that that's an issue for me. And I know that when I have migraines, I suck at pretty much everything because my head is hurting all day long. So it's really hard for me to function and be my best person. Well, because of all of um, on that to justify my behavior, I've got back into eating sugar and out of my rhythm and routine over all of this COVID stuff. And yesterday has horrible migraine and, um, I was like, I don't know why I'm back in this place. Like, I'm miserable here. And so recognizing, like, wait a minute, I don't want to be that person. I don't want to live in that capacity where I'm having to take Tylenol or et cetera or whatever every single day. I don't want to be that person because I could, right? Like, I could throw a Band-Aid over it, continue to love my sugar, take some medicine, and move on with my life. But that's not who I want to be. So... Sure enough, snap back in. This morning, I made sure I was back up doing my routine and my rhythm that I know keeps me from getting into that um, sugar habit. So I think wanting something different is the only way that you will consistently stick with it. Because if you don't actually want it, you'll keep going back to it, just like you said, because it's comfortable. So you Mm -hmm. have to want something different. Mm -hmm. And you have to know why you want it, which is, you know, ultimately, whether it's business or finance or relationships or health, you know, you have to know why, because it's easy to just chase something because it's nice and shiny. But unless we know why, when things get difficult or there's hard decisions to make or we're tempted by other things, we're never going to stay the course. So, and, you know, doing so, I think it's, we need to remember that Although the goal that you might set for yourself in any particular area might be this, you know, super ambitious, beautiful, dreamy goal, but there are steps that it takes to get there and you have to be willing to put in the little pieces and the, and the smaller decisions that will maximize that end result. Because if you're not willing to do those small steps, like you said, you know, you know, my, my first thing has to lead to my second thing and that you know has to kind of continue if you're not willing to do that then you're not going to be successful and I think that's one of the the best ways to gain confidence in yourself is to set yourself up you know to have you know to achieve things and even if it's in a smaller capacity even it's you know meal prepping two meals a week and then adding to that the next week you know it's You've got to start somewhere, and usually baby steps are the best way of getting there. Absolutely. I think people also, um, I had this mindset because I'm very all-in or all-out type personality, 
which is something I am consistently working on because I don't feel like that's a healthy personality trait. It's awesome because I'm super dependable if you need something to get done. But at the same hand, um, it's not healthy or sustainable to be all in or all out because some things you can't be all in all the time and then you could lose them if you're all out, right? Mm -hmm. So taking those baby steps, knowing, um, I loved your post about, um, you know, getting in just a couple of squats here or there in between those phone calls or um, whatever it is that you need to do that you're capable of doing in that moment does make progress. And I think being comfortable and confident of knowing just increasing your water intake is going to improve your health. And that's worthy of consistently striving for, and then add something else on. And I think for me, for a long time, um, I would say it's just adding water. It's not really making that big a difference, but it is because if you can maintain that one behavior and then add on another over the course of time, you're going to hit your goal, but it does just take that one step at a time and being willing to, to do that one step. Well, and we have to recognize that, you know, if we're at a place that we don't want to be, if we're at an unhealthy weight or if we're in a, a, a marriage or a relationship that is toxic to us, We've taken small steps to get there. You know, those small steps that led us to where we don't want to be, the opposite is true. The small steps in the opposite direction will lead us to somewhere that we do want to be. You know, so if it has power to take you somewhere you don't want, it also has power to take you somewhere you do want. But it does take effort. You know, it really does take putting in the effort. So what's going on for you for hunting this year? you have any big plans? For hunting? I, I have not even put in right now. We are going to try to, um, get over in the John Day unit again for elk. Um, and so we, my husband, um, his business, he just brought on another associate. So, um, that's going to take a long-term training. So our hunting this year is probably going to be a little limited. Um, so we'll be local and everything that we're doing. And then next year game on. Awesome. And uh, speaking of just the outdoors and getting out and about right now, I think it's really important to remind parents, you know, that as much as, you know, we should focus on trying to do our best with, you know, curriculum and academics for school, it's also really important just to take the time to get out outdoors, learn something new, you know, go look for rocks or go to the river, go check out fish, you know. That kind of thing. Absolutely. So I know that's something. It's that great you guys opportunity are... to start teaching those survival skills if we haven't been teaching them to our kids too. Um, a lot. I have one friend that um, she kicks her kids out every single day at three o'clock, and um, one of them, one of her kids, started um, building bonfires so that they could roast marshmallows, and just that skill of learning how to make fire. So you know, you can make it super fun, but absolutely get them outdoors and hone in on those skills. Um, I love seeing you and your son shooting all the time. Like let them learn new skills and perfect the skills that they do have outdoors. There's no better time than right now because you have the freedom to be able to do so with them. Which is pretty awesome. And heaven knows we're going to need it. (laughs) Right? Exactly. (laughs) I love that. So if you take away anything from this episode today, it's kick your kids out at three (laughs) o'clock. And have them learn a new skill. (laughs) Perfect. Well, where can everybody connect with you and reach out, check out some of these resources that you have for homeschooling, and of course, just kind of stay on track with mindset and perspective. 
Absolutely. I am at Living Field Notes on Instagram, and then I do run some um, private classes. So if you are interested in something specific, um, private message me on Instagram. I'm also on Facebook, just under my name, Constance Bradley. And you have a podcast now as well, don't you? I do. Um, I do have a podcast. It's um, Right now, it's pretty religious-based, so um, if that's not your jam, you probably wouldn't be into it, but um, if you are, it is the podcast is Living Field Notes also. Awesome, and that's on all podcast platforms, or is there a specific it place is. to find it? Nope, it should be on all of your um, mainstream platforms. I think it's on 13 different platforms right now. Awesome. Well, we will have to check that out, and we'll, of course, link to that in the show notes that you can find uh, just by clicking below it, wherever you're listening. But again, thank you so much for coming on. You are truly awesome, and I just adore you. So thank you for taking the time. I know you're incredibly busy, and I hope that you continue to have a blessed day and an awesome week, and we will catch up with you soon. Thank you, Courtney. I so enjoy being with you and on here. Well, ladies, that does it for this show for today. I hope that you found some inspiration some good advice, and definitely some encouragement to take with you on the rest of your week. I'm already looking forward to coming back next week and giving you some more insight, some inspiration, and some tips on how to navigate your best life. Please be sure to hit the subscribe button and leave a review. Your feedback is so important to me. I would love to know the questions that you have, any topics or ideas, and your feedback. You are so valuable to me, and I really appreciate you taking the time to leave the review and subscribe to the show. See you next week on Her Inspired Journey.